This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on 680 CJOB. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't that great. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, he, he, uh, he's right there, so I don't want to talk too, uh, too good about him. But, I mean, he, uh, he makes tough saves look easy. And uh, you know, sometimes when you're in the stands, you look and you're like, oh, that wasn't that great of a shot or that wasn't that great of a pass or whatever. But it was. It just, you know, he reads it so well. It's just an easy save. He doesn't have to reach out and make this spectacular save. It's just a routine save for him. So, he was great for us tonight. I mean, great could be an understatement. It is an understatement. Um, you know, a lot of goalies in this league, we would have been would have been behind a lot. Um, so yeah, it's, it's 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 great. It gives us a lot of confidence having back there for us. Well, Pierre Luc Dubois talking about his uh, goaltender Connor Hellebuck making fifty saves on fifty one shots. How yesterday. many? What's that now? Five zero. Fifty. Fifty. It's a lot of saves. <laughs> That's a lot of saves. That's a lot of stops. That's a lot of saves That's, in a game. Yeah. Pierre-Luc Dubois talking about his goaltender Winnipeg Jets beat the New York Rangers uh, last night in Manhattan in MSG uh, 4-1. Good win for the Winnipeg Jets. We'll get into that. We'll get your thoughts on this. 204-780-6868. 204-780-6868. Uh, to talk all about it. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say before we bring him on, so I was listening to the post game last night, and Jamie Thomas reached out to Scott Unger. Mr. Manhattan, Jamie Mr. Thomas. Manhattan, yeah. Manhattan smile, Manhattan hair, Manhattan ready to go with my stare, Jamie Thomas. But <laughs> he uh, reached out and, and Scott Unger. Yeah. So I, I texted Scott after as well because I'm like, what was that stat that's impressive? And he said, Connor Hellebuck, when facing 40 plus shots or making 40 plus saves in a game, is 23 and four. Now I know people say that's a team record, not necessarily a goalie. So here you go. In those games where he's faced 40 shots and had to make 40-plus saves, he has a 219 goals against average and a 950 save percentage. Yeah, he's a, he's when he faces that many shots, he does fantastic. It's and do you think twice about, about playing him back to back? Do you think twice about playing him back to back? I don't because I'll go one better with you here. Now the record in back to backs with no rest is. Um, uh, I think it's good. I, he's from, been in 19 games and he started 16 of them, so he's not started three of them but been called okay. in action. But in 16 starts, 19 games total. He's eight seven and one, so the record is what it is. Oh, it's five hundred. Yeah. But he has a two twenty four goals against average in back to back games and a nine twenty nine save percentage in back to back games. I know we have these stats and these rules for certain yeah. players and what to do. I do not ever consider myself or or question a coach that plays Connor Hellebuck in back to backs. Yeah, and he also says he hates that rule. He doesn't know why that he'll, that that rule exists. Well, he will, he'll play every game. I listened to his post yeah. game last night. He'll play every game, and he he's never going to sit there and go, "I want to face forty shots a night." But he likes to be busy. Like yeah. he likes that's when he gets into a groove. Jamie Thomas, Mister Manhattan, six eighty CJOB Jets. If I was a goalie, Colorado I'd be like, keep it to twelve or thirteen shots, guys. I don't like to be yeah. busy. I don't want to see a lot of action. <laughs> Listen, if it's over twenty shots, it's on you. Yeah, it's your fault. We that's lose eight. tonight. I told you twenty. That's eight shots this period, guys. I'm good. No more. <laughs> <laughs> You've reached the quota, guys. It's halfway through the first period. Some of these are going to start going in. I'm pretty tired. It's only twelve <laughs> minutes in. Yeah, I mean, I'm, di- I'm dying here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jamie, we talk about Connor Hellebuck making fifty saves, um, and this is a conversation that Jim and I are going to have throughout throughout the show here. Um, how do you think the guys played in front of him? 
I think pretty well. And yeah. I, I'm so do I. Especially in the third period, outside of Chris Kreider's chance on the power play, they didn't give like everything. I think the Rangers were frustrated at this point, just throwing anything, hoping something would happen, and nothing was going to right. So I think at that point they were they were flustered, especially after Shifley made it four um, one. He, he was un, he was unbe- un, unbeatable. So I, it was almost like how the Jets must have felt against Jonas Corposalo the other night in the first game of that road trip where you're just throwing everything possible at the guy in the first period and nothing was going to get by him. And then you almost kind of resign yourself to that. And it's just one turnover in the Jets' end the second period when New York was pushing cost them that goal or else Connor Hellebuck walks out of MSG with a shutout. So for the most part, I would say 85% they played really good in front of Connor Hellebuck. Yeah, and so here's the thing about the two games, New Jersey. It, the the goal against last night, horrible turnover by Mark Shifley. Mm-hmm. The two goals against in the third period against New Jersey, awful turnovers by star players. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I like the way this team played. I don't. I, I got a lot of feedback from people, even in the win last night, that tell me that this team's not going anywhere. They're going to lose their uh, spot in the central. Yeah, blah blah. Yeah, and I'm like, look, uh, 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 there are fifty game, fifty save games from Connor Hellebuck where the team did not play well. It was in San yeah. Jose a couple of years before going to Vegas, and I've seen another one like that. The team, the team played excellent these two games in my mind. Yeah. Not perfect, but take away those three egregious turnovers by veteran players, and they have four yeah. points in their back pockets against really good teams from the way the team played. This game last night with the shots against, full marks, Connor Hellebuck, first three stars of the game. But the team scored four great goals last night. Their penalty kill was sensational. They got a power play goal. And this reminded me of the loss to Arizona a year ago where they had 47 shots in Arizona and got shut out. There was nothing dangerous. that, And that was the team play from Arizona. The, the team played great last night, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and Jamie, the, the thing with when I look at the, the Devils game, I, I see the Winnipeg Jets played good. The Devils yeah. just played a little bit better than them, and they ended up getting the win. Yesterday, the Jets did a great job. I mean, of course, you never want your goaltender to, hit to face 50, 50 shots. I mean, that's just that's just reality here. But they, they cleared rebounds. They they let Hellebuck see the puck, and they played really, really well in front of them. And I, I just think that you have to look at these games separately and see what the Winnipeg Jets did good, and there was a heck of a lot that they did good. Yeah, and listen, it was just lapses. And this – so – we have to keep thinking here. Every time they have a bad game, they know, like, they're not lost. They ha- they just get away from what makes them successful. So it's not like last year, like, I don't know what's going on. How do we fix this? They know how to fix things. And it was part of it was, like, intensity and passion, which they played with. They had a lot of bite in their game last night. There was a lot of post-whistle scrums. I'm okay with those. Mm-hmm. That means you're, you're, you have a lot of fight in your game. And you're frustrating the opponent and, and stuff like that. So there's a big that's with a difference. They had that fight in the first period against the Devils a little bit through the second, and none of it in the third. Like they completely got away from things. So this is a completely different team than last year. Like they understand what they have to do. Sometimes you just get a little bit lazy. Sometimes you forget. I don't want to speak for them, but you get away from things, and it's right in front of you what happens. So listening to Rick Bonus yesterday saying, I don't know what other incentive they need outside of they missed the playoffs last year. So that that message right there, you know, it's a whole lot more than not going towards the players. What else do we need to do here to tell you what you guys have to do to be successful is right in front of you. So they're not lost. They know what they have to do to be, to be a playoff Stanley cup contender type team. And they did it last night and sure the shots on goal don't tell you a different story, but a lot of that were from long distances. 
And I get they had the great A scoring chances, but the Jets, they made Igor Shosturkin look like a guy that played in the American Hockey League. And that guy won the Vezda Trophy and was a candidate for the Hart Trophy last year, too. So I think a lot of credit has to be given to the entire team. Yes, Connor Hellbuck was a first, second, and third star. should have been. But there was a lot of guys playing a, a, an excellent game last night. And, Jim, they went to the net. Yeah, well, they went to the net. I what has Bonus been talking about Friday for show, games? I started, Jamie, I know, because you never listen, because you don't like our yeah. program. Yeah, but, I know um, you hate us. I, I started the show, I just said on Friday, would somebody please go to the net and somebody yeah. put some pucks on the net when somebody's in front of it. Um, yeah. and, and that's what they did. I thought they did that against New Jersey, too. So I agree with what Jamie just said there, Cam. I, mm-hmm. they, they know what they have to do. They're not lost. It's not like there's there's there have been some Februaries over the 11 years I've covered this team where even Blake Wheeler dropped. A, the, I don't know. It's BS. I don't know why we can't be consistent. I don't know. Like, there's none of that this year. They know. So I, I'm not trying to sit here and go, you know, they can't play better. It was excellent. Hellebuck stole the game last night. But. I also, as good as he was, because I thought he looked structured and, and he wasn't allowing a lot of rebounds. And a lot of the shots no. that were, the few that were dangerous, he was in position before the shot even got off. Totally. Like he was on his yep. game last night. Um, so yeah. I don't want to take anything away from it. But I also saw like goals that they need to, to do more of every night in order to be successful. Yeah. And that's, that's, again, that they scored two of those goals in New Jersey. This guy is going to the front of the net. And Josh Morrissey gets, you know, passes Dustin Bufflin, but that, that puck hits Pierre-Luc Dubois and goes in the net, but who cares? He was going, he was in front of the net. And Shesterkin didn't see a whole lot of shots last night or else he's going to make the save. But it's all there. It, it, this whole team knows what's going on and how they have to, you know, hold off the other teams. And I love what they were saying. And we're not worried about Colorado and Minnesota. And maybe internally, yes, they are looking over their shoulders. But they realize you just, you just keep winning. And that keeps those teams away from you. So it's a simple science, really. We don't need, you know, analytics or physics to go into this and figure out how this is all going to work. You win, and it puts more pressure on the guys behind the teams chasing you, and certainly putting pressure on Dallas right now with that win last night. I liked what you said about Shesterkin because I want to ask you about Sorokin tomorrow night. I know Connor yeah. Halbuck said post game he's exhausted, but the other thing about how Halbuck's wired on how much he likes to play and how many shots, how good he is when he sees 40 shots plus and how he loves afternoon games. He, I, there's something about him facing other good goalies, right? Not a lot of goalies address that or, or look at the other end of the ice. And, and I think Hellebuck always says he just focuses on his own game. But to me, yeah. there was a little bit of that last night. I'm wondering about tomorrow night against Sorokin. Like, uh, does, do you find that he, he knows the guy at the other end of the net and says, I, I want to outperform him? I can't see how you don't as a competitor. I mean, he would never admit it to us. But that's twice this year he's played better than Shesterkin. And the home opener right. and the season opener as, as well. And so, Vasilevsky, and if you look at yeah. the, the contenders, like he seems to yeah. step up. Yeah, and, and that's what I think, you know, he's exhausted yesterday, and I don't blame him. We all would be. We probably wouldn't be able to get a bed out of, out of bed today. But that's going to – you got a day off today, travel, drive, you know, the busing over to Long Island, and I think you'll feel a lot better tomorrow. But going head to head, Shirokin's been fantastic, and, you know, with the loss of Matt Barzell – that puts more pressure on him too. So, but I, I like that. I like that. It's nice going into New York last night and saying Hellebuck versus Shesterkin, you know, Morrissey versus Adam Fox and the battle for the North Trophy. This is good. This is what you want to have. This is the thing that you should be hyping up each game with. And it's fantastic. You have a guy that could be a contender for the Vezna and a guy that's obviously a contender for the Norris Trophy. These are the things we should be enjoying 
as covering this team and certainly as fans that you have these high level players going head to head and Sorokin is single-handedly keeping the Islanders even in the conversation to make the playoffs right now so uh, it's another key battle head-to-head matchup and that's how we have to sell these things uh, if you're not on board of how exciting the season this is right now I don't know what else to tell you but uh, it's it's a good team that I think can go places that they keep playing the way they did last night only got about 20 seconds uh, do you have any uh, late, uh, updates on Cole Perfetti uh, nothing just yet, guys. Uh, I think we'll find. Obviously, the mystery will be held out till tomorrow. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's unfortunate, and I think you, we knew something was wrong when he couldn't get back um, to def- on Dawson Mercer on that empty net goal of New Jersey. Yeah. I know it's an upper body injury, but some, somewhere in there, he's in pain or not, he's not able to function properly. And uh, you know, Cole Perfetti said a pretty rough ride in the National Hockey League. I felt he's got a lot better at putting himself in better places not to get hurt. So I don't know where this injury came from. Maybe it's been lingering. Who knows? But uh, we'll, we'll likely find out tomorrow, guys. you know any good piano bars in New York? <laughs> hey, I learned that um, uh, the podcast I did with Brendan Dillon, he knows how to play the piano. So we got we to slap a piano in the dressing room one of these yeah. days or bring him down to CJOB's offices. You guys got a piano down there somewhere. There's a big grand piano right in the corner of the studio here. Yeah. Well, yeah. What about Kelly Moore has a piano for sure. Oh, Moore's office has a piano, an organ, a wet bar, three couches, (laughs) and drapes that you just press a button that opens. He plays the harmonica and the guitar at the same time. I don't have any money. That's what I got to keep working. Shut up, boy. We know what your house looks like. Yeah. Uh, That's right. (laughs) Pre-game at four, puck drop at six o'clock tomorrow. Winnipeg Jets and the Islanders. Chris King's going to be joining us, play-by-play announcer for the uh, New York Islanders. He's going to be joining us at 12.10 tomorrow to tee up that game. Jamie Thomas, thanks so much. Thank you, sir. Hey, hey ask Chris where uh, Sorokin lives, and we can take we can go pay him a visit tonight. <laughs> what, is that a threat? Yeah. No, no. I just want to go say hi. Sorokin, <laughs> Sorokin. <laughs> Who are these drunk Canadians outside my window at four a.m.? <laughs> Excuse me. Do you have any brown sugar I could borrow? It's five a.m. <laughs> Thanks, oh, Jamie. Sorry, pepper. I need some pepper. Yeah. <laughs> some cayenne pepper. Yeah. Uh, thanks a lot, guys. Uh, let's. Okay, we'll, guys. Yeah, see ya. Um, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll take a look at uh, one of the latest from the Scotties, Caitlin Laws uh, and Jennifer Jones it's on the ice so right far. now. All is right in the world when I got. I can sit here in the studio. I got this. I got the Scotties on. I'm happy. Uh, lots of other news. Uh, latest on the Timo Myers saga. We'll give you that. Of course, the Leafs had a pretty busy weekend. And. Uh, more to come on that. The Calgary Flames out of the playoffs. They haven't had a real great run over the last little bit. We'll get into that as well. Chats at noon on 680 CJOB. Mostly sunny this afternoon, a high of minus 18. Tonight, a few clouds, a low of minus 30. Mix of sun and cloud tomorrow, a high of minus 23. And for Thursday, cloudy, a high of minus 23. It's minus 16 right now at 680 CJOB. Back to Jets at noon. Thank you very much, Sarah. You're listening to Jets at Noon, brought to you by your Winnipeg Metropolitan Region REMAX agents. And we lead into the Power Play with Sarah McCarthy. How was your your weekend, Sarah? It was good. It was good. It felt really long. Hard to come back today. (laughs) It's interesting because it was a long weekend. I know. By definition. But it felt extra long. And it was difficult to come back. Your long weekend felt long. Just missing the long weekend. Yeah. How was was the concert? The concert was great. Thomas Rhett. I swear it was sold out. It looked sold out if it wasn't. Pretty close. My uh, niece and nephew went. They said they had a great time. Mm -hmm. My niece said it was one of the greatest days of her life. Oh. I mean, it was good, but... (laughs) 
You wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I no. wouldn't go that far, so but it was very good. So producer Kevin texted in the show. Producer Kevin, <laughs> uh, who produces the One Minute Power Play segment with Sarah McCarthy, uh, ha- gave us this question for today. Mm-hmm. Since Sarah has recently attended a country concert... <laughs> Who would be a better country singer? Now, you be very, very careful here because I know what the answer is, and it's clearly me. Who's a better country singer? Between you two? Cam or Jim? I was <laughs> probably Cam. I'm sorry, Jim. Cam? Why? Cam, maybe. I don't know. Why? I don't know. Well, it's Why clear Cam? as day. Well, I don't, <laughs> What's it's, clear as day? It's obvious. I'm a better country singer. <laughs> My grandfather once said, and he was not joking, He was. this was dead to rights. He was telling He's absolute honesty. He was in 100% honest. He looked at me and he said, Cam, if I would have got proper training, I would have been a country music superstar. <laughs> My grandfather, you think, oh, he was, he was just joking around. He was not joking. He was dead serious. Proper training is having a pickup truck where you kill cold <laughs> ones on the tailgate under the moonlight. My grandfather was an expert at that. Trying to hit yeah. on a woman. That's, yeah, right. That's, That's 80% exactly percent of country music. You're defining Herman Holt. So he couldn't get a pickup truck is what you're telling me? <laughs> I'm from Alberta. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I should have taken that into consideration too. I've struck out on more tailgates. Why? Because he's from Alberta, obviously. Maybe. Yeah, he has a point. Now I will say no, this: this I wouldn't be your traditional country music artist. I would be okay. more like the Jason Aldean. I'd, mm-hmm. I'd screech mm-hmm. in a little rock and make it that oh, kind of yes. country. Yeah. See, that's what I picture for you. I yeah. picture Cam is more it's, the country. Yeah, it's country gym. singer, yeah. not country. Yeah. Rock. So you would be like, my dog left. Yeah. I'd be like Hank Williams. My wife left. George Jones. The wind is howling. Sturgill Simpson. <laughs> I can't find the laundry Chris detergent. Chris more like blues. And, and yet country. I'm smiling because I got me some country. <laughs> By the way, I'm a big fan of country music. I so just be I. more country Always have rock. been, yeah. always will be. Uh, Sarah, yeah, thank You'd you very much. You'd be a much. better folk singer. I would be better as a country music Star. That's I'm, your one minute power play with Sarah McCarthy. I'm a gr- I'm the grandson of a self proclaimed country music superstar. He wasn't discovered young enough, and he's never he never made a big. But he was dead serious when he said that, and I 100 percent believe him. Kid Rock said the same thing. <laughs> by my the way, Cowboy Kid by Rock. Kid Rock is a great jam. That's a great tune. Great tune. Only God knows why. That's Only a great God country. knows why is That's a, a great, better tune. It's a great country Kid song. Rock's got some, Kid got some Rock's got some good stuff. I like one of the Kid greatest Rock. musicians I've ever seen live. He literally right. played every instrument for a song. I did see that. I saw Kid Rock. Kid, I love Kid Rock. He's one of my favorites. He Growing brought, up, I don't like him as much as I did when I was in high school. Huge Kid Rock fan. He um, he brought out one of the members from Run DMC for one of his songs, and, and he came out. I forget which one. Forgive me. But he said, you know, it was a couple years ago. I was on my couch, and the phone rang, and I answered it, and he said, hey, it's Kid Rock. And I said, Who? No clue who he was. And look at us now. And I was just like, that's the funniest story ever. I almost hung up. Uh, Lorraine, uh, Lorraine says, Cam, sing something. Listen, I don't need to prove yeah, I wanna, myself. No, I want to hear something. I don't have to prove myself. Sing me some Reba McIntyre. Um, that's the night the lights went out in the studio. Sing it. Um, I don't know that one. Sing uh, Little Rock by Colin White. I don't know that one either. You gotta give me something I know. I think I'm on my way here in Little Rock. Don't know that one. Solid as a stone. Well, sing any little. I don't need to prove myself here. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, to I just a, embarrassed myself, so you could at least try and prove yourself. Um, uh, Trisha, you, you want me to sing some Trisha Yearwood? How do I live without you? I want to know. Absolutely terrible. No offense. It's not, like, it's not my style. Like, no I, that's offense. not really, that's not well, really my style. Who's your artist? Who's your country music artist that you admire? <laughs> sing me some Chris Stapleton. Wedding song. Let's go. Okay. Um, Millionaire. Let's hear it. Uh, now you got me on that. Asking you to do Stapleton is tough because that's dun, he's dun, unique. I'll be a parachute. That's not. That's better than okay. the year. You know, we're going to stop. Yeah. Sing me some uh, Keith Urban, Stupid Boy. Stupid Boy. You can't fence that in, stupid boy. We're getting there. We're getting there. I just realized I'm a I producer. I didn't, I didn't warm up yet. I don't, like gotta, I don't like it. I don't like it. But when I put my pants on, I make gold records. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. If you're still with us. If you're still with us, you I haven't really turned off the radio you. station. I really thank you for that. Oh, God. I don't even think know where I'm we are. On my way That's a good tune. I saw Keith Rock. Um, Josh Morrissey broke the record yesterday. Shattered Fifty-eight it. points, shattered it. He's going to continue shattered twenty. Does the does this record show that Josh Morrissey is the best defenseman in Thrashers Jets history? Jim Toth, big country music artist fan, is Josh Morrissey. By the way, yeah. Well, next time we have him on, we'll ask him about that. Um, yeah, look, and I got some feedback on this on social media. It, it, 1.0 Jets has nothing to do with this. And I'm sorry, I'm, and I know I hear all this time whenever the records come up around the Jets records, you're not from here and yada, yada, yada. You're right. It's a franchise record from Atlanta. He didn't pass anybody from Jets 1.0. He's not chasing anybody from 1.0. It's a franchise record from Atlanta that Dustin Bufflin set couple of seasons in Atlanta and a couple of seasons. The one he broke was a season here in Winnipeg. But, uh, look, he's going to shatter this. Uh, John Shannon said on the postgame show he could see uh, Josh Morrissey averaging a point per game down the rest of the season here. He could be a point-per-game player at the end of the year. Absolutely. John Shannon also said this. He doesn't have a vote anymore for the Norris or, or any of the NHL awards, mm-hmm. but if he did, he would vote for Morrissey, and it's because of his all-round play. Yeah. He understands Eric Carlson is going to score 100 points, and for a defenseman to do that is astronomical and unbelievable. But he literally says he does radio across the country every week, including our station, and he keeps arguing with people or debating with people that Josh Morrissey should win the Norris because of everything else he brings to this team compared to Eric Carlson. It's not a shot at Carlson. It's that Josh Morrissey's a better defender, better penalty killer, shot blocker, um, we've all seen what he's done in uh, Eric. He's a, he's a, he's a one note. I mean, speaking like song, he's a one note song. Well, I, I will, I'll say this about Morrissey when he scores, it's impactful. So yeah. Eric Carlson had three assists yesterday in a four, nothing shadowed against Seattle. Did they need those three assists? They needed one of them probably, mm-hmm. but what you like, I, I'm not, it sounds like I'm disparaging Carlson. I'm not yeah. good for him. I can't remember the last season. It had to be like in the eighties when a defenseman had a hundred points or, or touched it. But Morrissey, when he scores, it's impactful to that game to win more often than not. Yeah. He's yeah. had how many overtime winners? He's had how many game tires? Two at least. He's had how many 
I, I mean, jinxed him just, on that last one. He so if he's 30 points less than Carlson, but he's still got 75 points, and those points are impactful to where this team is going and needs to get to, I kind of vote, plus his defensive play. Yeah, and you know, the voters don't always go with whoever has the most points, or when Roman Yossi had the most points and it went to Kale McCarr last yeah. year. So it's not like the people and that Kale are voting And Kale deserved it last year. He defended totally, well. He 100%. was Jesper Pratt stole a puck from Josh Morrissey in the New Jersey game on Sunday, and that was one of the first times I've this year that I've seen. Now, he's had turnovers, don't get me wrong, but somebody dangled Morrissey or he tried to and got him caught and it resulted in a turnover. And I thought then when I saw it and heard it on the radio that I just haven't, I haven't seen that much happen. Yeah. Yeah. for Morrissey this year. He's been so solid at both ends of the ice. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's great for him to pass a guy, Dustin Bufflin, of course, an old, an old D partner and stuff like that. I covered that training camp when Morrissey was a rookie, and it was Dustin Bufflin who went to Maurice and said, give me the kit. Yeah, And that didn't happen a lot with defense. You know, like, usually defensemen, they understand they have to work with rookies, but they prefer to, if you're a top-pairing guy, you don't really want to be with a rookie. You want to kind of have your stats, play your minutes, and Dustin Bufflin was the one who said, I want, they're very close, um, and I think Morrissey at one point joked that if he breaks the record, he might actually hear back from Bufflin because he's like, he's a guy. I think he mentioned, I think he mentioned that you text Bufflin, like every player I've ever known. Yeah. And it'll be three months where he'd be replying. Yes. Yeah. Like, like Hey, Buff, hope's all going well, blah, blah, blah. And three months will go by and you'll get a text back out of the blue randomly that says, yeah, things are good. You, yeah, he, he's going to, he, he's a ghoster. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> <laughs> There's like he does, and he doesn't even care enough to go on his phone and like take away the red symbol. Like, like he read it. Like he doesn't even care. It's like, yeah, he read that last night at three thirty in the morning. It's been two end minutes. of the night. I feel horrible when I look and I'm like, oh, I forgot to get back to your email. I was on the air or something. Yeah, he, and I feel terrible. Bufflin is like, I might look at it again in a year from now. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah. it's great for Josh. He's yeah. deserved it. He, we all know the season he's having, and he's a big part of this team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Timo Myers, you, we were talking about this. Uh, heading into uh, the, the show here, uh, the latest on Timo Myers, um, the Sharks uh, at this point, and, and this is from Elliot Friedman on the Jeff Merrick show, um, feeling that the Sharks m- think that they could get enough from uh, trading Timo Meyer that they might not have to talk uh, or allow teams to talk to him and his agent about an extension. That becomes a problem for the Winnipeg Jets. So Friedman was speculating that the Jets' DNA isn't to take a risk on a guy you only have control over for a year and a half. Which is true. And that that year of that year and a half is coming at $10 million. So I understand that. The Sharks don't feel an urgency, and I can also see this, that so many teams want Timo Meyer. They don't have to say, yeah, you can talk to his agent, work out a deal. Mm-hmm. If I was a Sharks, I would be doing the same thing. That I'd was be just like, something that they said they were open to yes. if it came down if to it. If it came yeah. down to, like, you want to bl- knock our socks off with this unbelievable deal, but hinge on that, then we'll let you talk to him. Yeah. But in the meantime, this is what we want for him. We have number of suitors. We're not going to start opening it to everybody else. We have a hockey deal. Let's make a hockey deal. And I kind of understand why they're doing that. Mm-hmm. Now, if they're trying to move a guy like Carlson, then, yeah, I can see you looking at talking, you know, how to work out the contract and this and would the player want to go there and this and that. But they don't have to do that with Meyer. So mm-hmm. less is more when you're the driver of, of a deal like this. But the other thing he referenced was it's the DNA that, like, without knowing what the next year yeah. after the year and a half would look like is might be holding up the Jets. Other than that, it seems like the Jets are in on this. Yeah, I mean, 
You create the same problem, though. I mean, you, he comes in and, okay, maybe you, he's not open to the qualifying offer or whatever. I'm not sure. Maybe you even have to give it to him if you don't give him long term. Well, you're, you're looking at paying him $10 million next year if you make this deal today. Yeah. If you acquire Timo Meyer right now, the, you're looking at paying him $10 million unless at some point going into next year he goes, I'll talk seven, eight years. But this goes back to the You're dealing with the same problem, Jim. I it, don't know why you would want to do If I'm Timo yeah. Meyer, why would I? I mean, you're dealing with a similar problem with like PLD and Shifley and stuff like that. It's like you're just you're you're making the problem even worse. So yeah, you have to keep him for another year. He's restricted free agent. You have control over his rights, but I mean, you gotta have you gotta be able to attach term to that, or it's just now you, this you're being sort of out said, of it. do you still do it? Like we've been having this conversation no, and it's don't. been a great talker that like what do you pay? You don't. Do you go all you in? You don't do it. You can't. No, and it's it's the only way the Winnipeg Jets can get first-round talent is if they draft them. They're not going to get them through a free agency. It could happen through a trade, but the chances of those guys sticking around, while better, are not entirely – they've had a lot better chance of keeping around first-round picks. So that's why they're so valuable to this team. That's what I mean. That's the risk. Like they have a great – have done a great job of once guys get here, of re-signing here. Yeah. Do you take that risk of once Timo Meyer's here and he's in our top six – like I, I've said this before, but if I'm, I try to look at it from all different perspectives. I understand why San Jose isn't allowing you to talk to his agent. It's like we have a hockey deal first and foremost, and I don't care what you guys work out. What are you offering us? Yeah. And I'm going to do the best for our team. From Timo Meyer's standpoint, it's much like Dubois, Johnny Goudreau, Tuchuk. Look, it's not that I won't sign there, and I'll consider it, but why would I limit my options if I know I'm looking at 8 or $9 million from wherever? Don't you think, too, that when you're a player like this and you and you become available and you have all these teams calling about you and you know about that, you know, people, it's like, man, teams want me. Why wouldn't I not? Again, why yeah. would I not limit myself? Why, why would, would I, I limit myself? Why would I? I got three games this week. Why would I spend my time looking into what Carolina's yeah. like to live in and yeah. what Winnipeg's like to live in? And why I'm in the middle of a season. I'm. Yeah. I don't want to be distracted. I don't want. I don't have to. So I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. I I can understand that philosophy from guys who have this control. But that being said, I I don't know if you still don't. I I mean it's look. Anson Carter said this on the the Sportsnet broadcast the other night. And it's something I've said for years, and I yeah. sometimes hear about it on social media. It's it, he said it's Kevin Dayoff or the GM job in Winnipeg is the toughest job. Yeah, Gord just texted that Winnipeg. to us two zero four seven eight zero because you're the risk you're going to pay to try and convince somebody to stay here when they have their options are just it's that's why if you're going to be trading around first round talent, first round picks, you have to get first round talent Carolina, locked up long term. You can't bring in. If if you're gonna have rental players, it's it's you're gonna have to have a deal where you're not selling the farm. It just doesn't it doesn't work in this market. I just well, it, it and just rental isn't. players haven't worked out too well for this team. Well, it, it worked out, and it's like Paul Stasny's the guy you always circle around. And the thing is, Jim, and and, and has how wonderful Matthew Parole was to this franchise and to this city and to everything, and how great he was and a, and a team member. If that's your biggest free agent signing yeah. in eleven years, that's. That's that's like look news. It's just came not out, realistic. New the other way to understand it, yeah. news came out that the NHL is looking at either Seattle, Detroit, or Edmonton for the All Star game, and within minutes of that news this morning, Brad Marchand retweeted it and said, "LOL, can't wait to see how many guys skip this game next year." Yeah, and then somebody fired back at him because he's Brad Marchand and all that, but he's like, "Okay, but it's true." If you don't want to go to Detroit or Edmonton for an All-Star game weekend, 
that is an indication, and that's an NHL star player talking about it who mm-hmm. goes to all-star games, and if he feels that his own colleagues will opt out of this game because of where it's at, magnify that to getting people to sign in these cities long-term. Yeah, and uh, let's take a break. We'll come back. Uh, well, that was even sort of a conversation with the NHL pre, uh, PA as we go to break here. Um, they wanted to go to warm places, warm climates where they can take their family in February, or the big cities like Montreal and Toronto where the next all-star break is in New York. You yeah. Know, th- I, those I mean, are the places they want to go. Or, I mean, or the hockey Mecca. Like it just, yeah. I mean, again, I wouldn't let the players dictate too much of this. I understand yeah. they're a big part of it with the CBA and all that, but I'm like, we've got markets that we need to bring some things to and, and Edmonton, Detroit, Winnipeg is some of them. Yeah. The draft, I, I, I'm a firm believer. The draft is, is going to come. The to draft at should some be point. here. Because it's going to come here at some point. An 18 year old kid should not dictate whether he gets drafted in Winnipeg or Florida or that Montreal. was one of the things 11 years ago was the talk about when Winnipeg comes back to the all-star game. Here? I could see it it's not coming here coming. ever, but I could, no. I could definitely see the draft should come here once they get the hotels. Does that excite Winnipeggers? The dra- the all-star break. I'm, I, I mean, think anything NHL would excite them. Like, I don't know. I, I, that's a good question for this week. We'll be right back. If the draft came, would you go? Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Real quick break here. Um, but Rashid Bailey was on the start for Breakfast at the Bombers at 730. If you want to catch that, go to the audio vault, cjob.com, because it is a fantastic conversation he had uh, with Mackling McGarry and McNabb. And you're going to replay some of that stuff uh, yes. on, on your show, Jim. Yes. I, I've like this guy's a certified mensch. Um, massive, massive respect for for Bailey. I don't think people realize that this is probably dang close to a minimum salary deal that he accepted. There was no money for the bombers to spend, and for him to come back shows the shows we, the family, the the culture of this Winnipeg Blue Bomber team, and fans should be proud. And I heard he was offered more, and not and obviously a lot more. He was offered term, term yeah. but to come back here because he wanted to. We're, when I run his clips, we're going to talk about work culture and, and creating yeah. something like that where a guy will want to return that badly. Jeffrey Forche will take us. Well, thank, actually, that's it. He's done. He's he's like me. He's out of here. Thank you very much to Jeffrey Forche for producing the show. Jim, tell the tickets at 3 o'clock. That's it for me. I'll be back same time tomorrow. See ya. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB.